Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Vox Voice. I'm Lauren Puckett, the online editor at Vox Magazine and your host for this new podcast. Based in Columbia, Missouri, our team scours the community for local luminaries with something to say. It's a taste of the pages of Vox Magazine, but in podcast form. Back in November 2018, the Missouri ballot was predictably stuffed with buzzworthy measures. But more unusual than anything were the three different medical marijuana proposals. 66% of voters ended up checking the box to pass Amendment 2, a measure making medical marijuana legal in Missouri and enforcing a 4% tax rate, which benefits Missourian Veterans Health and Care Fund. One of the folks who had a big hand in the push for this initiative lives right here in Columbia. You might be familiar with him if you've got a knack for civil liberties activism or if you've ever found yourself in a sticky legal situation. His name is Dan Veets, and he's a local criminal defense attorney with a focus on marijuana cases. He's got a private law office downtown and was recently voted Lawyer of the Year by Missouri Lawyers Weekly. But he's got his hands full with much more than defense cases. For more than 10 years, Dan's been active in the statewide fight for the legalization and decriminalization of marijuana. Essentially, he's trying to work himself out of a job. Since his days at Mizzou studying political science and law, he stepped up to the plate as the executive director for the Missouri chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. He's also worked as the president of New Approach Missouri, the advocacy group that proposed and passed Amendment 2. While the state works out the kinks of implementing and enforcing medical marijuana regulations, Dan's got his eyes on the next frontier, expungement for people who have been charged for possession in the past. I'm your host, Lauren Puckett, and here's our reporter, Nat Kammerer, in conversation with Dan Veets. Welcome to Vox Voice. First off, can you just introduce yourself? I can. I'm Dan Veets. I'm the president of New Approach Missouri, the organization that uh, drafted and placed Amendment 2 on the ballot last November and campaigned for its passage and turned it into Article 14 of the Missouri State Constitution. Where are you from and how did you come to Columbia? Well, I came to Columbia uh, just almost exactly 50 years ago to attend the University of Missouri and uh, didn't consciously make a decision to stay here, but just kind of by default stuck around. Went to law school after I was out of undergraduate school for a few years, went back to law school and and uh, have been practicing law ever since for about 33 years now, primarily defending people on marijuana charges and occasionally other prohibited substance charges. So what kind of kick-started your passion for law? What kind of turned you towards that profession? Well, I had a lot of friends. I was very active in student government at MU here. I was president of MSA and uh, I found that many of the people I knew and respected and admired were law students. I also became active in a group called Normal in my early years at uh, MU. Uh, Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, is, as the name suggests, focused on changing the laws. And so uh, many of the people involved in Normal are lawyers. In our early years at Normal, the uh, national conferences we held were in conjunction with legal seminars. Lawyers are generally required to complete a certain number of hours of continuing legal education each year. And so Normal then and today provides legal seminars for attorneys. And I, uh, attending those seminars before I had ever really thought about going to law school, 
I learned that there were lawyers who focused primarily on defending people charged with nonviolent victimless law violations. And so many of those lawyers there were role models for me and inspired me to pursue the law. So what kind of has, for 33 years, kept you motivated in this job? Well, my clients are, are really nice people. And so I, I still enjoy representing people in court who are nice people, who are good people, who haven't hurt anybody, and yet they're being charged with c- crimes similar to those who have com- done horrible things. I mean, you know, my clients face the same prison as people who've committed rapes and robberies and murders, and, and yet they haven't hurt anyone. It's just insane, and I'm highly motivated to continue representing them, but also to try to stop people from needing to be represented for committing nonviolent, victimless marijuana crimes. How many cases are you handling at any one time? Oh, a few dozen. Uh, of course, it varies from time to time, and they all overlap, but uh, a few dozen cases uh, at any given time. How did you start drafting Amendment 2 for this past election cycle, and what kind of got you involved in that? Well, I was part of a, a group of activists. I've been active in marijuana law reform here in Missouri for really about 45 years, going down to Jeff City, testifying, uh, organizing for normal, organizing legal seminars here and activist seminars. And so it it seemed that we had reached critical mass here in Missouri. Many other states, 32 other states, in fact, had already passed some form of medical marijuana law. And we, through polling, determined that a solid majority of Missourians would support passing a, a reasonable and well-drafted medical marijuana law. So we sought assistance from uh, people at the National Normal Office in Washington, D.C., also from a group called the Drug Policy Alliance, which kind of spun off from Normal, and uh, and other people on the national level who had an opportunity to see what had happened in the states that had legalized medical marijuana. There were many lessons that we learned from the experience, I, I won't say the mistakes, but the experience of California and other states, and we were able to take advantage of the experience they had and draft things that made our law uh, better. And for instance, in many states, legal medical marijuana patients were being denied organ transplants or being deprioritized for organ transplants. And so we incorporated a provision into our law which says that shall not happen. Thou shalt not deny anyone uh, an organ transplant or priority for an organ transplant merely because they're legally using cannabis uh, for medical purposes. We also incorporated a reciprocity provision. People from 32 states who may be in Missouri for various reasons are protected in their use and possession of cannabis here. I know in the 2018 election cycle, there were a couple other uh, medical marijuana um, <clears throat> laws, amendments, initiatives, being, initiatives uh-huh. yes, being passed. Um, so what made Amendment 2 stand out amongst those? Well, uh, our Amendment 3 was funded by a single wealthy personal injury lawyer from Springfield. He had almost no other contributors. He was a coalition of one, and his proposal would have made him personally the the dictator of the entire program. He would have picked its board of directors, and they in turn could have paid themselves any salary they chose, and it would have imposed the highest tax on medical marijuana in the nation. And it was a bad, bad proposal for many reasons, totally self-serving. The third proposal was not crazy, but it, it was not very good either. 
And the folks who put that on the ballot said, well, just in case you guys don't make it on the ballot, we want to make sure we have this proposal as an alternative to Amendment 3. One of the things that distinguished Amendment 2 from the other two initiatives on that ballot is that only Amendment 2 would allow patients to cultivate for themselves. So with people being able to cultivate their own cannabis, how is that going to work? Is there going to be a limit on plants that you can be growing yes. at any one time? Yes, as, as in every every other state that allows that. In <clears throat> Missouri, the limit is uh, six uh, mature plants. So would that be able to provide the kind of what would be a generally recommended prescription for someone using medical marijuana? That should be sufficient. I mean, of course, yields vary greatly and the size of plants vary and the way that they're cultivated. Uh, but yes, that should be sufficient for most patients. They, The ones who are too ill to cultivate for themselves uh, may have a caregiver designated and licensed by the state to, to cultivate for them. So now that this has been passed in November, what does the timeline look for getting it actually implemented and up and running? So Amendment 2, now Article 14 of the Missouri Constitution, lays out a timeline which we believe is reasonable and achievable. And to its credit, the Department of Health and Senior Services uh, has every intention of abiding by those deadlines. They, they also agree that they're reasonable and achievable. So the next deadline coming up is June the 4th. On June 4 or sooner, uh, the DA HSS is required to publish the final draft of the rules and regulations that they are uh, proposing to govern the industry and uh, patients. The next deadline is one month later on the 4th of July. Patients can actually begin to apply to be qualified as medical patients. And that consists of submitting a short form that DHSS will publish before June 4, along with a letter from a doctor dated within 30 days prior to submission. And that doctor's letter, and this is unique, I believe, among the medical marijuana states, that doctor does not need to recommend marijuana use. That doctor does not need to uh, say that uh, he or she knows that marijuana relieves certain symptoms. The doctor is only required to state that the patient has been diagnosed with one of the conditions listed in Article 14. So what are some of those conditions that people can use medical marijuana for? Well, they include cancer and multiple sclerosis and post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, glaucoma, uh, se several other conditions that have been shown through scientific and medical research to respond favorably to cannabis as medicine, certain symptoms of, of uh, Alzheimer's disease, for instance, M migraine headaches unresponsive to conventional medication. In fact, the single most important medical use of marijuana is in pain treatment, the, tr the treatment of chronic pain. That's not a pun or a play on words, but indeed, chronic pain has been over-treated with opioid drugs in recent years. And it apparently it's a revelation to some people that opioids are addictive and deadly and produce some horrible side effects uh, in addition to killing people uh, and, and are just not appropriate for treatment of chronic pain. They're not appropriate for long-term use. You will develop addiction, dependence, tolerance, um, and horrible constipation if you use opioids on a long-term basis. Marijuana, uh, better known or pro more properly known as cannabis, doesn't have any of those effects. Studies published by the Journal of the AMA, Internal Medicine, August of 2014, showed that on average, medical marijuana states have 25% fewer people dying from opioid overdose. Now, that's a dramatic reduction. 
It doesn't mean that marijuana is the solution to opioid drug problems, but it is a very important part of the solution. Not only do we save a great deal of human suffering, we save human lives, uh, and we save money when medical marijuana is available. And yet, frankly, very few of the media stories about the opioid crisis include any reference to medical marijuana. And that's a shame because it is a very important part of the solution to the opioid crisis. So within 2019, <clears throat> will people be able to grow their own plants yes. in Missouri? Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, you, uh, under, under Article 14, uh, another thing we're proud of that, that we wrote into that mm -hmm. is if the state does not grant a patient's application within 30 days, it's automatically granted. Wow. And in fact, during the time that your application is pending, if you carry with you your application and your doctor's letter, you're protected as if you already had the card. So some okay. protection kicks in immediately beginning on Independence Day this year. And the other deadlines that are coming up later in the year include the um, uh, August 3rd is the date when one can begin to submit commercial license applications. So people who want to become licensed to cultivate or to uh, process and manufacture or to test uh, cannabis uh, or to operate a retail dispensary, they can begin applying for those licenses on the 3rd of August. Now, the state has until the end of this year to grant or deny those licenses so that we may not know until New Year's Eve and probably at least a little bit before that, but they have the state has until New Year's Eve this year to either grant or deny those commercial license applications. But in the meantime, you're right. Some patients will already be cultivating for themselves, and some patients may find that that's sufficient and never patronize the uh, commercial license holders. There's also an application for a certificate to transport cannabis. Now, if you're licensed to uh, cultivate or to uh, dispense or to uh, process and manufacture cannabis, you automatically have the right to transport it. But some people may go into the business of transporting cannabis who, who don't hold those other licenses. So is that a fast-moving <clears throat> pace compared to other states that have legalized medical marijuana? Yes and no. Okay. Um, yes, states like Louisiana and Arkansas, which passed their medical laws, uh, Arkansas in 2016, Louisiana in 2015, and still don't have any medical marijuana available, it's a lot faster than those states. And on the other hand, the state of Oklahoma, uh, again, uh, you know, a southern state adjacent to us, Oklahoma passed a law last June, and they have already issued some 1,400 uh, dispensary licenses. Okay. And it's a very permissive program, a very wide open program, and the voters of Oklahoma embraced that proposal. And so uh, we're kind of in the middle. Is there any <clears throat> indication yet about how many dispensaries are going to be in Columbia? Well, if it's proportionate to the population, we would probably have about a half dozen in the city. There may be others in the county. There certainly will be others in other counties around Boone. Since um, everything seems to be kind of going in medical marijuana's favor, why are there still so many arguments or um, people opposing it? And kind of what is their main argument in states that haven't passed medical marijuana yet? Well, I guess you'd have to ask them, but they really <laughs> there aren't that many of them. Uh, a Quinnipiac University poll a couple of years ago showed that Americans favor legal access to medical marijuana by something like 94%. Wow. Now, that's incredible. You can't get 94% support for motherhood or apple pie or, you know, almost anything. But 94% of Americans agree that medical marijuana should be available for medical use under a doctor's care. 
And so, uh, really, there's almost nobody that argues against anymore. So if people aren't growing in their homes, are there going to be dispensaries set up around Missouri? Yes, both will be available. Okay. Patients will be able to cultivate in their homes. They will also be able to go to uh, to, uh, retail dispensaries to purchase cannabis. The dispensaries, which can operate most efficiently and provide that medicine at the lowest price, are going to succeed, and that's how capitalism works, and that's the the good thing about capitalism is that the customers uh, receive the benefit and the patients here receive the benefit. But nonetheless, we started out with, and the state will start out with 192 dispensaries to serve the entire state. They will be geographically dispersed across the state. Of course, the most will be in the population centers, but the DHSS is very concerned about making sure that patients in rural areas of the state will not have to travel a great distance in order to find that medication. And so they're giving extra credit to applicants who are going to serve the rural areas of the state. Speaking of rural, uh, people who live in rural areas in Missouri, so if you have a condition, something like PTSD, Mm -hmm. where you may not know that you are eligible to use medical marijuana, how is that information going to be dispersed? Are there going to be doctors kind of suggesting it now, or is it... We hope so. Okay. We hope so. I mean, I hope that anyone who is conscious in the state of Missouri is aware that we have this new option now. Certainly doctors, um, surely they are aware that marijuana is now an option for them to um, provide to their patients. The state medical society, uh, to its credit, is is posting information on its website. Um, the Department of Health and Senior Services <clears throat> is engaging in educational efforts to try to let doctors know what's required. They're going to publish a sample letter uh, for doctors, and it's fairly simple and straightforward. Again, the doctor only has to say that the patient has been diagnosed with an appropriate condition, ailment, or injury, um, and uh, that is sufficient to qualify that patient. So when you go to a dispensary, is there going to be a limit on how much you can purchase at any one time? Yes. Okay. Yes, a patient is limited to four ounces per month unless a doctor, I think it may even require a couple of doctors, certify in writing that they have a legitimate need for more than that. Now that medical marijuana is being passed and kind of starting up, um, do you think it's going to be used widely in Columbia? And is that going to reflect uh, the trend in Missouri in general? Yes. Yes, both in Columbia and across the state. We think it will widely be used. Now, there was a study recently published by the by some economists at the University of Missouri, and they predicted a far smaller number of patients would be qualified than, than we think is likely. And frankly, one of the reasons why we believe they came up with that smaller number is that they're assuming that all medical marijuana programs are equal, and, and they aren't. They, they aren't the same at all. Missouri's program allows for uh, far more flexibility. Doctors have far more authority to uh, qualify patients under Missouri's law than they had or even have now in the state of Illinois. Uh, Colorado's law was similar. It required specific approval by the state bureaucracy for any new condition to be added. Here, it is essentially at the discretion of the doctor what conditions are appropriate uh, for uh, patients to use cannabis um, to treat. So we really do think that that study understates the likely number of patients. And if we're wrong, that's okay. If there isn't a great demand for cannabis, then um, no harm is done. But we think, in fact, it's very likely that Missouri's patients are going to be 
asking for cannabis and, and using it in, in far greater numbers than that study shows. So with Missouri kind of having the more progressive notion of the doctor, it's at the doctor's discretion who can use medical marijuana. Do you think we'll see other states reforming to adopt that in the future? Yes. And, and that process has been underway for many years. All of the states which began with restrictive programs have uh, gradually uh, opened those programs up and added other conditions. Many politicians were reluctant to allow pain to be treated with cannabis. And I think their fear was that, oh, well, anyone can claim they have pain and people who are just trying to get marijuana because they enjoy it uh, shouldn't have that option. Well, you know, why not? I mean, it really doesn't hurt anyone if someone gets cannabis who, who doesn't have uh, a, a terrible need for it. Um, it's more important that the people who do have a need for it get access to it. And that's the philosophy behind the drafting of Article 14. And so, yes, the trend nationally clearly is to expand the conditions for which cannabis can be um, recommended in those states that require a recommendation. So speaking of those people who enjoy it, do you think we'll mm -hmm. see um, recreational use in Missouri at any point? And do you think it will be an offshoot of the medical marijuana article or will it become its own thing entirely? Well, I, uh, there is no question that the support for legalizing adult use of cannabis, non-medical adult use, is certainly increasing. But at this time, uh, all the polling in Missouri shows that, that there is not a majority of Missourians who would support uh, legalizing adult use. <clears throat> so I would say that we are at least four to six years and possibly more than that away from uh, any broader program being legalized here. So going back to the addictiveness of opioids versus mm -hmm. uh, marijuana and the dangers of that. So people overdose on opioids all the time. And uh, die. And die. Mm -hmm. So is that a concern with marijuana? No. No, no one has ever died from marijuana in the history of humankind. Not a single individual has ever died because they consume too much cannabis. So that is one of the unique and very positive properties of cannabis as medicine. In fact, many over-the-counter non-prescription medications kill hundreds of people each year. Aspirin is one example. Hundreds of people die each year from the toxic effects of taking too much aspirin. But that has never um, occurred with cannabis and never will. Cannabis is a relatively non-toxic substance. It is impossible to consume enough cannabis to kill someone. And, and again, that is a rare property. So then turning to another um, aspect of it. So as far as decriminalization goes, what does the passing of Amendment 2 mean for those with a previous record uh, of marijuana use? Well, or there's a bill pending right now in the Missouri General Assembly, House Bill 341, which would... Um, expunge from the public records of medical marijuana patients uh, previous misdemeanor or city ordinance uh, violation possession offenses. So that while it's not directly a part of Article 14, Article 14 has allowed for legislation like that to be considered. That bill has passed the House and that bill is now before the Missouri Senate. And although the session ends in less than a month, there is by most people's opinion who observe the legislature, a pretty good chance that that bill will pass this year. If it doesn't, it'll be back again next year. So you said this will be for medical marijuana patients to mm -hmm. have their records expunged. Will there mm -hmm. be further steps to include um, all Missouri citizens, or is that kind of yes. a farther down the line? If Actually, it's not. <clears throat> Actually, it's not. Uh, in fact, I was involved in a Missouri bar 
committee, which drafted an overhaul of the entire Missouri criminal code, all of the criminal laws in Missouri, a few years back. And in 2014, our work, a thousand-page bill, came before the General Assembly and passed. Now, it had actually come before the General Assembly one or two years before that, but it was passed by the General Assembly in 2014. It was made effective as of January 1 of 2017. And following that, and it was just a short time later in January of 2018, an expungement law was adopted by the Missouri General Assembly in the same process. And I, I had the privilege of working on that Missouri Bar Committee as well. So that under Missouri's present expungement law, new but uh, already on the books expungement law, almost all drug offenses can be expunged from public records. However, there's a waiting period. And for misdemeanors, it's three years after the case is over, after your sentence is served, your probation is completed. And with felonies, it's seven years after your sentence is served or your probation or parole is finished. So, I mean, in most cases, that means about a 10-year wait. And, and that's a shame, you know, 10 years of a person's life suffering under the stigma of a felony drug conviction record is, is a big problem. You know, when I began practicing law, uh, just a few decades ago, uh, there was there was no internet and there was no database that we could just click a few keys and find everyone's criminal record. But now, it's extremely accessible. It is so easy to find everybody else's criminal history online. That the the stigma, the penalties that one pays for having a criminal conviction have increased dramatically. So allowing for greater use of expungement is one way to to push back and to compensate and, and to give people uh, a chance to lead a normal and productive life, which again really does benefit everyone. I guess enough about the legalization of pot for a while. Uh, I saw that you once got an audience award from Conan O'Brien. What was that award? Well, that was for looking most like the college professor who could always get you weed, and that was on The Tonight Show. That was not The Conan O'Brien oh, Show. Okay. That was The Tonight Show. And uh, I had gone to <clears throat> to L.A. for other reasons and, with a friend of mine, and I had always been kind of interested in seeing The Tonight Show taping, and we uh, go to the NBC studios. They had just built a brand-new building for Conan uh, to... Uh, to host the Tonight Show from. And we stand in line for, I don't know, an hour and a half at least. And apparently we're being scoped out by the staff during during that time. So they heard us in there. And so they keep it light, but they also, you know, let you know that you got to follow the rules here. So we all have our assigned seats. And Conan has done this, this shtick called the Audience Awards for years on his old show. And he was still doing it on his Tonight Show. And, you know, they pick out seemingly random audience members for some silly uh, award and so he uh he says well other other uh, programs honor the directors and the actors but here on the tonight show we honor the audience for uh, excellence in the sitting and looking arts and uh so <laughs> i had no idea uh, until this camera boom just kind of swings in uh, right toward <laughs> me uh, that uh, that i was getting that honor and uh and i don't know whether that was a coincidence. I mean, it seems like too much of a coincidence. I think they must have Googled my name or something. <laughs> but outside of your job, so what do you do to compress? Any hobbies or anything? I know you're a big or Disney decompress. buff. Yeah. Or decompress, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really do enjoy uh, talking about Disney and researching Walt Disney's life. Uh, 
you know, as a Missourian in particular, I, I co-authored a book that the Kansas City Star published about Disney's Missouri history. I'm the president of a not-for-profit group that owns the building where Walt Disney's first studio operated in Kansas City. Oh, and wow. despite the fact it's on the National Register of Historic Places, it was scheduled to be torn down when we acquired it about 20 years ago. And so we are continually working to try to find the funds to restore that building. And pres- we have preserved it. It's still standing because of our efforts. And so I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm happy about that. Since you've been in Columbia so long, what is one of your favorite things about the city? Uh, the bourgeois winery, the, the rooftop at the Broadway. I mean, the University of Missouri, of course, is the crown jewel. Um, we're so lucky to have MU here, um, and the state of Missouri is lucky to have MU. And I think our legislature undervalues the University of Missouri and how important it really is uh, to so many aspects of the state's success and future. So kind of on the other side, what's one thing that you would change about Columbia if you could? Well, getting back to this issue, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there is a discussion ongoing right now before the Columbia Planning and Zoning Commission about whether the 1,000-foot buffer zone around schools and daycare centers, child care centers, uh, and churches is going to be maintained or waived or reduced. Now, we wrote... Article 14 of the Missouri Constitution to include that 1,000-foot buffer zone, but we also wrote that the local government may waive that buffer zone. And especially as to dispensaries, it makes a lot of sense to waive that and reduce that buffer zone. For instance, in Columbia, because of mainly because of the uh, dispersion geographically of churches downtown, there is no location downtown where a dispensary can operate unless that 1,000-foot buffer zone is reduced. Most people in this community, and therefore most patients in this community, live in or near the downtown area. It is going to place a hardship on many of them, many MS patients, for instance, who can't drive. Um, it really is a hardship on them to have to drive out to the edge of town. They're planning staff is correct. There will still be some places where a dispensary could operate, but there's just no reason why there should not be dispensaries allowed in downtown Columbia. There's no reason why a dispensary should not be allowed in any neighborhood where a pharmacy is allowed. That buffer zone, would that also apply to people who are cultivating their own? No. Okay, so just dispensaries. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I guess finally, what is one piece of advice that you would give to Columbia residents just to enjoy it. I mean, this is a great place uh, to take advantage of the cultural opportunities that are here primarily because of the University of Missouri, but also to patronize uh, the Boone County History and Culture Center. We've got a really first-rate local um, historical society for Boone County. Now it's got a beautiful new facility on the the south edge of town, and uh, I I think more people should appreciate that. The the Museum of Art and Archaeology here has a fantastic museum that is is the third largest in Missouri and Mm -hmm. ranked as one of the best 25 museums in the country. Wow. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't get the traffic it should have. Right now, it's out at the former Ellis Fischel State Cancer Hospital, And that's a good location for people who are not students and who are not faculty and staff because there's parking out there. But we really hope, many of us hope, that it will be moved back to the campus or ideally to a a zone kind of between campus and downtown. So those are just a few of the things about Columbia and Boone County that uh, need to be appreciated and uh, need to be uh, supported by our residents, both 
of those on campus and elsewhere. This has been Vox Voice. Thank you so much to Dan for joining us. If you liked the episode, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast service. And we'd love if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.